Alright, what's up everybody? This is A7X Fan Ben. Welcome to Pirate CSG podcast number 57. And I'm super happy to welcome uh, some other podcasters in the Pirates world. Uh, welcome aboard Red Dragon and Captain Ron. How are you guys doing? Great. Very good to be here. Yep. Great to be here too. Love it. Love it. Yeah, it's so cool to hear your voices after hearing the old uh, Blog Talk radio episodes from like 2009. It's really awesome yeah, to be able yeah. to talk to you after all these years. So I know, 14 years. It's such a long time, you know? know. And uh, the game's still around, which is good. I mean, it's not mainstream or it's not sold, but I see there's so many fans of the game, which is great. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. trying to keep it alive the best we can, so... All right, so I want to thank the community. Uh, we actually had uh, three different folks chime in on some questions, uh, so we'll get into those eventually. And uh, the first thing I want to start with, though, is what got you guys into Pirate CSG, and when did it all kick off for you? Uh, I guess I'll start. Um, well, I start with the card game, uh, Spanish Main. I, I always like ships. Uh, being a Navy guy myself, um, seeing those uh, paper ships, card ships, out on um I, I think it i saw it on toys r us it was when toys r us was around and i just started buying cards and then really fell in love with the uh characters in it and it's just a simple way of playing the game on the tabletop and uh yeah you know and the rules were simple but uh it, it was fun it, it had some fun in it and then when they started adding um events and which some people don't like uh events and special treasures it, it made the game much interesting too which I like and stuff. So uh, that's how I got in. I think it was, uh, what was it, 2004, 2005? Correct me if I'm wrong, when the game, the cards started, first started coming out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then the collector in me just started just collecting all, everything that was uh, Pirates of the Spanish Main, of the Chrism uh, Coast, uh, Spanish Revolution, I think came up. And I think after that was the uh, Barbary Coast. Yep. And yep. I kept going from there. Nice. Yeah, I I started playing. I lived in uh, down in Hollywood and I had an apartment down there um, at the time. And across the hall from me, there was a guy who he was the building manager. And I during the spring of because the the online game started, I believe it came out in like December of 2006. And so anyway, this guy had like, it was sometime in the spring of 2007, I think maybe Easter weekend, he had a barbecue and, and he had the game at the barbecue. And so a bunch of us played and I was like, oh, this game is amazing. I, I love it. You know, the, the tabletop game and um, which is what we called it then. I don't know if, if you guys, obviously you guys probably don't even make a distinction, but we used to call the online game, the online game. And. And the table and the you know the board game or whatever tabletop uh, or TT is how we refer to it. But um, yep. but he had the game and I played it and I was like, oh, this is great. And he told me about the cards and how to get them. But then he said, but you know, there's actually an online game that they that they just brought out, you know, just a few months ago. And so that night I signed up for it and I joined his guild. And his name in the game was Ikthultu. So. If, if Icky is out there listening, um, he was he was uh, one of the big, you know, great casual, more of a casual player. He didn't really play tournaments as much, but he was a big, you know, supporter of the game. And he gave me a bunch of his extra cards and and 
and a bunch of people gave me like extras people were like more than happy to give you their extra cards and and so then i i spent i don't know probably i don't even know how much it was expensive it, that was part of the problem i think it was just so expensive um i know if you play the game now it probably is even more expensive because you're trying to get packs and stuff that no longer being made but at the time the the online packs for cards were the exact same price as as the as the regular you know the the physical cards so anyway um that's really how i got into it i i started playing that night and i got hooked and and i like i i couldn't wait to buy more cards i spent probably a couple hundred bucks in that first couple weeks uh just buying card after card so and then i think there were some people online there was one guy named uh, the Sword Lord who he had a an, an account on eBay and he would sell virtual cards there. So you buy them from him on eBay and then you then you um, would go into the game and he'd give you the card that you bought. So that, that I, that's how I started and I built up my my crew from there. So yeah, yeah, very nice, love it. Yeah, it's good to hear you both uh, started with a tabletop game too and then brought bridged that gap pretty quickly. So. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'll jump around to some of the questions from the community. Uh, I think some of the ones I had to ask were uh, probably best for later in the podcast. So the next ones come from uh, Jeremiah, uh, username the nine of spades. And he says, uh, tell us about the differences between playing digitally versus the physical game. Well, Ron, oh, Ron, Ron okay. could probably answer this better than I could because he played the, the tabletop game. Well, when I first years. started playing, I, I had the uh, well, I had the card game, and I, I played with my younger kids at the time. Uh, now they're all in college and high school, but at the time they were really young, and um, like I never knew all these combinations uh, to make or uh, were matching up um, the um, I think it was called Black Heart and Gurney Gallo and, and getting like four moves out of, out of the uh, games, you know, the ships. Uh, of course, uh, house rules now, we, we usually only make two, two moves per ship. But uh, yeah, at the beginning, I was just a casual fan. I would put a, a one um, same action crew and a captain and probably a, a, not even a helmsman at the time. I would just put an explorer and play like that, get the treasures, go back. And pretty much that's how it was at the beginning with my card game until once the, the online game started, you had so many people with combinations. You know, I, I never was a hardcore gamer or card player. So probably that's why at the beginning I didn't um, have it like that. But then once when I went to the online game, I started seeing all these combos. I, I mean, there was a, a HMS Titan at the time. That was at the time of the online game. You had, um, I think, the game started with not Oats and Edge, but the other. Uh, I think Davy Jones Curse. That was the first um, card set that came out online because of Pirates of the Caribbean and its popularity. I, I think the game and the online game took off because of that. Everybody liked the pirate stuff. I think it was Spanish so Main was the first one. Yeah. Oh yeah, on the um, on the card on the card game, absolutely. But I believe the um, the online game started out with uh, Curse, David Coast, um, the Curse of David Jones, and then it went to the uh, Pirates of uh, Spanish Main, because going in the toughest ship at the time was the Executor, and then once the Spanish Main got in, then the uh, toughest ship was the um, was the HMS Titan, yeah. which somehow they. Um, 
put in uh, Blackheart. Uh, they put in um, Gurney Gallo in there. They also had Brother Virgil, um, uh, Dune, Mrs. Dune, I think it was. They had about 12 characters in one ship on the HMS Titan. And they, they, they would get that HMS Titan to go four times. And I <laughs> yeah. was like, what the heck is this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely yeah, was... tamped down on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so pretty much... Um, on the online game, it was much more tougher because it, you, uh, the game allowed you to do all that stuff, uh, which it actually, in, in the rules of the game, it does do that too. But there were some things like the canceller ca uh, crew on the online game did not work well, uh, which would have fixed a lot of the problems on the online game, uh, where you, you know that would you, your ship would run into um, the one of the Spanish ships, the Corosado, or anything like that, and if you had that canceller crew. At the time, it would have mitigated a lot of the uh, big, um, heavy ships that would destroy everything. The whole board at one time sometimes. So yeah. I think that was the difference in the online game was uh, some of the rules were not, they were not able to put it on the online game as is on a tabletop, which is, you know, um, with individuals and you're playing with your friend, you can actually administer those rules better. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember hearing about that canceler thing on the, the old online show. Um, was the yeah. board, like essentially the ocean on the online game, was there, I assume there was some kind of limit to it. Like the average board size for a Pirates game or table size, it's recommended like three feet by three feet. I don't know if that was well, a modular thing in the online game where you could pick yeah. the size of the ocean. That was one of the problems with the online game is there the the ocean went on and on. I mean, there was a limit, but it was way out there. So, the the it was the canceller was a problem because it didn't work correctly. Like if you if you're bringing a ship over to another ship and they have a canceller there, the game should have like paused there so that that person could use that canceling card. Yeah, um, right. and it didn't. And then, and so that those canceller cards were kind of useful, but not as useful as they should have been. And that would have, would have, I think that specifically was one of the biggest things why a lot of people who were big players of the tabletop game didn't stick around long in the online game because that, that really disrupted things. But the size of the map was part of the problem. But the biggest problem they had was they had the Sony had the hardest time with the distance, getting the distances between the, the islands correct and getting the island sizes correct. Hmm. When the game, for the first, like, I don't know, eight months of the game, I think they had the distances okay, but the island sizes were tiny. The, most ships were bigger than the islands. They were, they were ridiculous. And so it really, it really made things into a kind of a, a, a power gamer with just all gunners. My, in fact, my first tournament I, I went into, uh, the first tournament I did, I went up a guy against a guy named Admiral Spirit who developed, he, he figured out this uh, way of making the Titan, the HMS Titan into four turns. Yeah. <laughs> and there was no, there was no limit. So it would go four turns. And I, the first thing he does is he goes across the entire map and it, it was a death match game, goes across the entire map <laughs> And wipes me out in like one in the first turn with his four turn Titan. I think I had like one little little ship left. And then the second game I played, 
I, I've got like a balanced fleet. I think I, at the time I might've been using the, the Revenant and a couple of little gold running ships. And, and the, the other guy has uh, just two, two ships. They're both like gunners. One is the Bonaparte and the other was the Titan. And he didn't even try to get gold. He just came across the map and wiped out my, <laughs> wiped out my ships. So those yeah. distances really, really made a big difference. In addition to the fact, the other big thing was that the, uh, the French ship, the Bonaparte, um, you couldn't fire at it from inside S yep. range. And yeah. they, the online game had such a hard time determining that S range. Oof. You would be in L range completely with all of your guns and it wouldn't let you, it would fire button. Uh, and that was that became a real problem because then whoever had the Bonaparte could just pin you, and there's nothing you yeah. could do. There was no way to you, your other ship couldn't fire on it. It was so hard to get that right. You know, once in a while you get lucky, but it was just pure luck. There was no. It was really hard to determine that. Yeah, that would probably be my least favorite thing about the online game because that Bonaparte ship is already my least favorite in the game in general, and. That just makes it way, way worse. Especially because yeah. the WizKids yeah. banned the reverse pinning thing where you can pivot on the stern with the schooner keyword um, and like slam into another ship's bow to pin it. That's not legal in the yeah. tabletop either. So that's another weird glitch that makes that ship yeah. way, way, way worse. So well, yeah, that's and that, that was the other thing is that WizKids really didn't, or not WizKids, but Sony didn't really... Um, they didn't support it very well. So those kinds of things that needed to be fixed or adjusted, they, they just didn't happen, you know? Yikes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually they, uh, so once you had the Bonaparte there, but uh, like I say, eventually you had um, uh, events in there where you could put the uh, air, I think it was called, foul wind, and you could actually push the Bonaparte out. You know, yeah, so there was a evolution of the of tactics after that, but of course you had to use a lot of uh, points to to for you know to do that while the guy just had the Bonaparte and he would do it. But you had that you could use a, the counselor, but of course the Bonaparte would hit you first. Well, you have to let it to hit you first, and then once it's close enough, you could cancel that ability, and then you're able to shoot the ship. But also they would pin they would pin you in such a way you couldn't shoot it. Only with one cannon. Yeah, with the angles. Yeah, that's yeah, rough. So in a way, it was bad, but also it was uh, very interesting and um, cool to find out ways to defeat some of these fleets. Uh, uh, you know, I, I was never really the uh, DM. That was uh, Dragon's game, playing DM at the time. I, I always play the uh, the average standard game where you get, um, you know, gold and whoever made it to 15 would win, you know, so yeah that's yeah. where that's where i did it but uh yeah the game was like like i said the online game has so many problems but if you um forgot about the tabletop game that you were a fan of and just play it as just an online game it's a game the same game but different rules then you kind of said to yourself all right so this is what it is uh now let's see what we could do and build uh, a fleet yeah. with it yeah yeah you so kind of have to separate the two because if you try to bring your fleets from tabletop straight into soe version you might just get wiped out quickly so yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's a heavy on the online game and i think competitively it's a heavy pirate 
ship game, pirate crew game, because they're cheaper, of course. Yeah. The ships are cheaper, and, and you're always trying to find the bigger bang for your buck. Yeah. You know, which is the ship that's cheapest and much more consistent and, and getting you stuff, uh, much that gives you the work of either destroying your opponent's fleet or grabbing the gold and coming back to your treasure home. But yeah. Ron's right, because the, uh, a lot of players who played the physical game would would come on and it was a great way to test out fleets you know because when you have the cards sometimes it just gets a little overwhelming you've got all the cards you've got the pieces and everything and and then setting up a game all of that it's not that easy to play 10 games in a row in an afternoon whereas on the online game you could go into the fleet builder build a fleet just to see and test it out in a casual game for free or maybe even take it into a tournament to see how it goes. Uh, but it would just, you know, it was it was a great way to to learn how to use a lot of cards that you might have just read, you know, the the flavor of it or or the 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 ability of it. You might have just read that ability and thought, ah, it's not that big of a deal. But you don't think about maybe how it could be used in in conjunction with another card. So it was great in that way. It was really a quick way to test out whether or not a fleet was going to work. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, That's really yeah. cool. So that kind of sucks. And it was... Oh, yeah, I just wanted to put in... It, it was still fun. If you had a couple of friends of yours that uh, abide by some rules, yeah, you're able to just play with them. Um, you're able to have a casual game and uh, just play with them. And, yeah, you know, it's so fun to... Anytime you go in online and you're able to play with four players, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and build up the whole map. And I, I'm telling you, have about two, three hours worth of just one game, which is pretty cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it segues right into the next question. Um, what were the most common fleet strategies used on the digital platform? And were there any strategies considered the best or most effective? Uh, uh, I, I would say that it really depended because there were so many formats um, available to you that you could set up a game in that it just kind of you know depended on the format because there were standard games that would go as low as 15 points all the way up to 120 points i think was the biggest one and so yeah um but so it really it just it really just depended but i you know i i can tell you the ships that you set you wound up seeing the most were uh the harbinger and the hms temple those in conjunction, especially if it's a standard game, uh, those in conjunction with, you know, and Ron can tell you more about that, but in terms of deathmatch, uh, the ones that, that I use the most would be the Harbinger, uh, the deli- both Deliverances, the one from Crimson Coast and the other, and the, uh, what was it? Oh, Ocean's Edge. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then uh, HMS Temple, I usually had five. I don't really remember what the fifth one would be, but um, or maybe I only had four. Hundred. It just depends on the, I guess, on the point total. So it was because there was hundred point deathmatch, and that was probably the most common deathmatch game. There was also yeah. sixty point, but the, those those were, you know, probably the most common uh, fleets. But yeah. I I used. Um, the one that I was known most for was probably my dragon fleet. I would use Angelica. And <laughs> yep, yep. 
I remember. And, and I, Angelica, I would use that in conjunction uh, along with uh, Bonnie. Uh, what is it? Uh, Friendship Le, Le Bon Chance, I think, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then I used the that re-roll guy, uh, Griffin Owen, something Griffin Owen. Yeah. And uh, and so what I'd do is I'd kind of cat. I, I would if I got that extra um, extra action from him, then I would cast out Angelica and have her fire on a ship. And then you and then you could just bring her back, and uh, so it was like you just bring her, send her out to a ship, and then you just bring her back um, in the same turn. So I'd only send her out when when that. But I use that a lot in the higher point total games, I guess. Yeah. So interesting. Did they have the captain ability built into Sea Dragon then, where you can like move yeah. and shoot with the same move action? Oh, okay. That's, that's yeah. Wild. I think okay. so. Right, Ron. <laughs> Yeah, on uh, the Sea Dragon, uh, you could only do the double move was if you had like Griffin. You had one of those where you roll if you get a six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any ship on your fleet could move an extra. And I think that's when they, that was the common. So they would put that crew in a really small ship or that was three points, whatever it was, right. yep. five yeah. points, and what? they would put that all the way in the back, and yeah. they would have their warships in the front, but away from about three moves uh right from you and then they would have a dragon there uh some people wouldn't use a dragon some people would use i think it was le superb because they would use uh capitana ratio who was also a sack captain so you would have that sap captain and you would have uh calico cat you would have mm -hmm. the other uh same action move captain on that fleet so you'll have um, and, and this is um, mostly on DMs, on, on um, death matches. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you would have both, three um, sack captains, which is a Ratio, uh, I think it was uh, Blackheart, and uh, Havana Black, I yep. think it was, on that. And yeah. then they would have the combination of the, the, the friendship, really fast friendship. You would have, I think, the Titan, the Harbinger. And, you know, you know like Dragon said, he would have his dragon. And that, that would be... Uh, X factor because a lot of people didn't use a dragon, but once that dragon, one of your ship caught fire, then you had to turn it off, and that was really hard to do too. Well, and also so there was it, a lot of combos. It, it deleted a cargo, so you could like kill one of their guys or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. And also yeah. the Zeus um, yes. was was tournament legal, so I, I used that <laughs> uh, quite a bit until for a while anyway, I, until people started figuring out you know, better ways to combat that one. But I, I did use the Zeus, uh, which people had kind of not used as much for a while because it, it was such a high point total and all yeah. uh, so much crew on one ship. But once, uh, once, what was the American um, Revolution? Once Revolution came out and then they had natives. Yeah, natives. They had um, uh, mermaids, I think it was. Yeah, uh, that... Yeah, mermaids. Yeah, that th those made it kind of harder to use those big ten masters. But I did yeah. use the Zeus. Yeah, which was funny because <laughs> Baoshuan was not tournament legal in that game. Huh. But they but they let yeah. Zeus be <laughs> legal. I don't know why. That is bizarre because Zeus is generally a more competitive ship. That's really oh weird yeah, to me. huh? It's much faster and and just you know it's pirate. So. Yeah, it's cheaper, so it's a lot easier to fit other stuff in around it in the fleet. Huh. Right. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. yeah, nowadays with the dragon combo, you have to use... Um, we don't have to, but we don't have 
captain ability is not built into the sea dragon so usually we do it with lord micron from fire and steel i don't know if fire and steel got in the online game but he allows you to sacrifice no no, it did not okay yeah he allows you to basically give up the ship's action that he's on and give it to a different ship in your fleet so the advantage there is you don't have to roll the six it's just automatic so you can do it with the dragon a return but it's hard to yes you can't give three actions so you can only move and then shoot so you can't uh, bring it back on the same turn, but still pretty effective sometimes. So yeah, nice. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. My, and I think the American there was an American crew that also got that ability. Was it and um, or was it the French crew? Yeah, the French. No, got my one. is French. Oh, French got one. Yeah, but he had also the added captain ability or something, right? Yeah, Delafloat is that. the French uh, version of Micron with the captain ability for nine points. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's good to hear about that Zeus fleet. I, I remember hearing about that on the the online show mm-hmm. from back in 09. It sounded like you played yeah. a lot and it was pretty pretty amazing for a while. Yeah. It was pretty fun. And then when they when they uh changed they they when they changed the island spacing at the very towards the I don't know, after it was towards the end of the game they changed the island island spacing so it was really short. Hmm. And uh the Zeus would get <laughs> would get over to an island really quick just cuz it was so long. Yeah, <laughs> man, that is get over to an island yeah. and just load it up. That is bizarre. Yeah, because the way WizKids had it when the game first came out, like Spanish Main, the island distance was two L to four L, um, for yeah. island, distances between islands. But then they increased it to three L to six L. So that's weird that in the online it went backwards and went closer. That's really kind of fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what drove yeah. that decision, but. They well, they screwed up. I think they at the beginning they screwed up with the island sizing, and that was the real problem. And everybody was screaming for them to reduce the space between the islands, but it wasn't the space, it was the size of the islands. Okay, so they wound up doing both. They made the islands bigger and made the space a little smaller. So I think they might have gone back to two, four. Okay, and so it was, I mean, people that people had devised, um. Like Red Fang, that player Red Fang and uh, Tupamaro, they devised uh, fleets that that would win the game in one turn. Yeah. So yeah. with Jade and and uh, I, I think they used the Neptune's Horde and uh, Blackheart, and they used what Jade as a UT, I think, or whatever, and uh, and they could win in one turn. Yeah. Yeah, you can eventually start to like gamify it and calculate like how many coins you can bring home and what they right. might be worth based on what you put in and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you either of you? Uh, run... yeah, like I said, they... oh, yeah, you go ahead. Oh no! Oh no! Go ahead! Go ahead! Go ahead! Go ahead yeah. Uh, did either of you run online tournaments at all? Yeah. Oh yeah, lot lots. Um, they would have. Um, they would always have like every Friday. I think when the game was at its peak. Every Friday, and uh, well, you could start. Yeah, every Friday they would have their own uh, tournaments, right? But you could start if you had um, six, sixteen players. I think it was, or even eight. I'm not sure, but I think it was they, sixteen players. You were yeah, able they, to start a tournament. They it was all weekend long. They had because they had a Friday night tournament and then a Saturday and a Sunday. Nice. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and and those were those were sponsored by by uh sony so they would come up every month they'd come up with their schedule and they towards the end the last six months of the game they kind of just stopped 
doing that. Or I mean, they they would have their setup tournaments, but it was just the same one every month. But there for a while, they had some kind of creative ones, and you know, so Friday nights were usually deathmatch, I think, and and so it'd be a different one every week, and sometimes it would be. And then uh, uh, Saturday, there Saturday morning, there'd be a, a sponsored tournament that would be, uh, you know, battle lines, or it could be like, well, the one that Ron was like I- impossible to beat in was forty point uh, Spanish main only. Yeah, the standard and game. That was Ron's. That was Ron's like baby, and uh, he, he was almost, I think, almost impossible to beat in that one. So. Uh-oh. But yeah, they and then then you but any time at any time you could set up your own tournament. There was a tournament room and you go in there and it's just as long as you just had enough people, you could start a tournament. It could be whatever format you want. Nice. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, you had the tournament, what we call it a tournament master. It wasn't called that, but uh, one guy would just say, Okay, I'm gonna put in for a tournament a 40 point standard game and then you would sign up you'll go up and then in the in online you could be you're able to see that and then you're able to join and once it got i think 16 or 8 i believe i'm not too sure and then the game would start mm-hmm. yeah so they do have simultaneous play obviously like where everyone in the first round matched up would play at once in like different ocean maps yes and then move on from yeah. there yeah yeah, and, I guess and if you lost, you were out, and then you'd move on, right? Yeah, and you could. Or no, no, you weren't out. You you would no. Actually, you keep playing. You would if you lost, you would still like you'd play another person who lost or something like that. Yeah, I see. What yeah. You're, okay, interesting. That's pretty cool, actually, because then you can still yeah. and then experience uh, and stuff. the winner would get some some prize. They would get either an unlimited um, card, um, something like that, and that that's yeah. how it was. Yeah, you get you get a couple. I think the winner got. It depended if it was one of the Sony sponsored ones. Sometimes they'd have a special prize like a ship. But if it was one you did yourself, it would. I think you'd get if you won, you got three packs or something. Yeah, very nice. It was, and that that would actually. I got to a point where the last year or so, I, I wasn't even wasting money because I was selling my cards that I was winning mm-hmm. uh, to collectors. Yeah. And, and yeah, so it was great. That, that was a good point. Yeah, that was the only drawback to the tournaments, even the ones that you started yourself, was uh, unless you did it. I mean, people started doing tournaments in the casual room. It was just informal. Um, but but the ones that you set up on their tournament page, those were um, th- those cost money. So it was I can't remember how much it was to to yes, join. You're right. Some kind like, of currency. Yeah, it was like five bucks or whatever their currency was, which each coin was a, a dollar. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Was it free if you set up your own tournaments that weren't like... Sanctioned? If you did it in the casual room, yeah. But no, yeah. like if you did your own, it was still everybody had to put fork over five bucks, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, I just remember that. And that's how, that's why some people stop playing too, because, it, you know, the big gamers would play that and... In a way, it was free because we would sell those rare cars that we would get from right. those tournaments, and we would have the the game currency at the time. Um, so I think it was for ten dollars, you would get ten coins. So it was a dollar each, but it cost five coins to get into a tournament. Okay. Yeah, yeah. At one point, I won like twenty tournaments in a row, and and I, oh. I don't think I had to pay for a tournament 
you know, ever after that because I had so many cards, but Whoa. so many packs to sell. Yeah, that is insane. Holy crap. Yeah. How many, man, so that, that must be an insane winning streak for games too. Because if it was a 16-player yeah. tournament, that'd be like, well, like four wins or something like that. Times yeah, 20. it was, Man. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good run, but you know, we, I mean, Ron and I both, I mean, Ron had long streaks too. We both were number one players in the world for a while. Like we both topped yeah. the list at different times. Yeah. Nice. I love like the volume of play you can get into. Cause like you said, it's sometimes yeah. usually when I play tabletop nowadays, it's a struggle to complete two games in right. sometimes yeah. up to like six or seven hours. Um, right. let alone 10 in a day, which I've only done when playing like small solo games back in the well, day. So it was, it was a lot easier there because of the timer. I don't know, you know, if there's no timer in the tabletop, oh. then yeah, you, you could, you could go longer, but the timer in, in the online game was, you know, you really had to be conscious of time. You couldn't just sit there and, and it couldn't, you know, you couldn't sit and think about your moves. You kind of had to yeah. already have an idea what you wanted to do and then do it as quickly as you could. Okay. Tournament games like that, yeah. 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 That right. makes yeah, that makes a big difference because there is no timer in the official rules. So was it like a minute per turn or two minutes? No, it was uh it was a chess. it was a chess timer. And so yeah. each player only had a certain amount of time. And if you ran out of time, you automatically lost. So yeah. there were there were people who fortunately we had a pretty good community of people who didn't do this, but especially early in the game the first year and a half of the game when there were lots of people playing, uh, there were, there were certain people. If I saw them joining, I would not, I would not join the game because I knew that they were, they would purposely put a, f a fleet out there to waste time or not waste, waste your time. Basically they would, they would click and turn as quickly as they possibly could after you've gone and you've, so you you're, you're already behind on time. Huh. And if it, especially if it's a deathmatch game, like if it's a if it's a standard game, you could still win with gold or whatever. But th those people would then put a bunch of bad UTs on and stuff to destroy gold or whatever, yep. and they would just send a bunch of really fast ships out into the farthest reaches of the map, <laughs> which in this map was ginormous. You know, it was too far. Um, so that was another reason why I kept a dragon around too, in case one of those. You know, because you could fly wherever you want, but, yeah. um, but yeah, it was it was uh, a pretty bad, it was a pretty bad exploit. A couple guys, or at least one guy from Ron's guild, was pretty bad about that. Yeah, Miss okay. uh, Brian, Brian, I yeah. think it was. Yeah, Brian, <laughs> the cheats girl. Remember the cheats girl? Something oh yeah, like that. yeah, the cheetah girl. Cheetah girl and her boy. She had a boyfriend. I can't remember his name now, and they were horrible. They would, they would get nothing but, um, nothing but. Just ships like you couldn't shoot with an S, like Bonaparte or submarines, and then just send them out in all different directions and try to time, just try to time you out. That was all they wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that's rough. I could see how that would make yeah. you not want to join a tournament. It reminds me of oh, like, uh, yeah. like card yeah. games like Yu Gi Oh! or whatever. Like you run out of cards in the deck, you just, that's it, you lose. So interesting. Yeah. Um, were there, speaking of the tournaments, were there any like big, rivalries that developed and then continued over the course of like months or years oh I've got, yeah. I've got some of the usernames up on the hall of fame site <laughs> yeah, yeah so uh, 
Dragon and myself, we were we were a bit of rivals, but we were really good friends too. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we had a couple of struggling because of my friend Brian, who I don't even know anymore, but uh, he used to do a lot of bad things. I used to he was a young kid. I used to protect him a lot, but he used to do a lot of really bad stuff during tournaments. Oh, that yeah. a lot so of the guys. He would exploit like. exploit every glitch in the game that yeah. he possibly could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we had a Captain Strack. I think he passed you know, rest, rest in peace. But uh, Captain yeah. Strack, I had a rivalry with him a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Everyone, so it, it was good. Yeah, you know, like I say, we had people. We had some really good people there. Who played like, like Dragon was great. Uh, Captain Strack uh, was good. We had the uh, Road Squadron Guild. All those guys were pretty cool. They were from Australia. Most of them was from Australia. Uh, we had, uh, like I said, Captain Strike had, I forgot what the name of his guild was. I had the Ironclad Guild, which was really dominated with myself and then a whole bunch of young kids and some you know, casual fans. Uh, but it was good. There was, uh, there was a lot of rivalries, and there was a lot of little fights online sometimes, too. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Yeah, there were a lot of like there was a forum on on Sony's website for uh pirates and that would get out of hand with people arguing. Uh there was this guy named DJ Westerdale yeah. who was a really good he was a really good uh you know, he was a really good fan of the game and an ambassador of the game, but he would get really frustrated with people uh if he saw that they were that they were playing with these, you know, powerful fleets and he would get he would go on the on the forum and just raise a stink and he, he was kind of friends with wolf from uh whiz kids if i'm not mistaken but yeah um, yeah that's really interesting yeah. to hear about I, i'm pretty sure he had a uh, miniature trading account which back when the online game was popular was one of the more popular like bulletin boards or forums for the pirates game uh, Mostly tabletop, yeah. but and I want to say I interacted with him a tiny bit on there before it uh, went offline back in 2019. But but yeah, I, I might ask Wolf about that because I still talk with him once in a while through email. So yeah, uh, yeah, he was he was a he was a nice guy. He just got a little fiery sometimes, and he he <laughs> he was not he didn't like the big power fleets and and tournament gamer fleets and stuff, and and so. I, I remember there was one time I, uh, I a new player uh, came to me and said, "Hey, I want to play you in a in a match on the casual thing on the casual room," and and he said, "I want you to use your best tournament fleet against me so that I can learn the cards and see them in 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 practice." And I was like, "Okay," so we did, and D, and you could watch other people's games. Mm-hmm. So you could go into the yeah. casual game and watch the game. You couldn't do that in tournaments, but you could do it in the casual rooms. And unless you set it to be private, then then people couldn't. Because sometimes if you were in a guild, you would play with a guild mate to test fleets and you didn't want people seeing the fleet you were testing out. But yeah. but if you left it open, then then people could come in and watch. And DJ came in and watched that game and he saw <laughs> he saw that this kid was just using like common cards and, and mismatched stuff and, and and it didn't, you know. And then I had <laughs> I had like Zeus and all this and a dragon and everything. And and 
And he like flipped out on me about that. I'm like, dude, the kid asked me to give bring my best fleet so he could just see it in action and, and kind of copy it. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to copy my fleet. Um, and by that time, I'd used it so many times, I really didn't care. You know, everybody knew the fleet that I used. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of funny. But, but that was just, that was the way he did things. Yeah, interesting. I see on the blog spot, it says Common Pool is a pirate's institution, thanks to DJ. Was that Common Pool, like using all commons or something in fleets? No, it was uh, an account that he created. Well, I hadn't thought about this forever, but it was an account he created that he just, he would, everybody would donate their, their double cards to that. And so when new oh. players would come in, he would get into his Common pot Pool account and give them cards. <laughs> yeah, so. nice. Yeah. That's cool. Nice. It was a good community in general. It was a good community, but it was small. And I, that's the only thing that was, it was yeah, small. Especially the last year, yeah. especially, it was really small. Before that, the first year and a half was good. But after, after see what happened. What, I'm sorry to cut you off, Ron. Um, no problem. What happened was the game started out when I joined there were four sets out. There was uh, Cursed, Cursed, um, David Jones Curse, Dave Jones Curse, uh, Spanish Main, uh, the Mysterious Islands, and and I believe uh, South China Seas had just come out. And Something. yeah, and and so those and that was very popular then like there were you know it was be there would be like a hundred people in the tourney rooms and setting up their own tourney it was like it was amazing and and then that summer of 2007 they didn't turn they didn't release another set until like september they like took a break from releasing sets so it kind of dipped a little bit in popularity there for a while and then they released uh uh, Crimson Coast, which was wildly popular, and yeah. and uh, Ocean's Edge, which was less popular, but at least it was a new set, and that was very popular again. And then they released in the spring of two thousand eight. They released uh, uh, the American one, uh, Revolution. I can never think of the name of that for some reason, but Revolution. Revolution. Yeah, and and then people got word that that was it. They weren't going to be releasing anything else. Mm -hmm. And so that first year and a half was great. And after that, people were like, I'm not spending money on something that might close, you know, because when you buy your cards, you still have those cards after WizKids closed down. Yep. But on when you have virtual cards, we spent the exact same amount of money or more on those yeah. cards. Some of That's them, really many times, those packs were the same price as the physical packs you could buy. Yep. And but yet you're left I'm left with nothing. I spent hundreds of dollars on that game in the in the two years that two or three years that it was out yeah. and and have nothing to show for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. So it was basically so they released it December of six. So it was mainly two thousand seven through two thousand nine that it was running. I know the Wikipedia yeah. at one point said it shut down in like early, I think it was January twenty ten is what it reported. So yeah, might have, I I think they they kept it the the game up for a while to just let people play it, but by then it was just like the room everything was empty. You know, I think our last yeah, maybe four or five people would show up and they wouldn't yeah. even talk. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. There'd be just people like you'd see an account sitting there, but it was dead, dead. And I think our last uh, podcast episode was like September of that or August of 2008, nine, I mean, 2009, yeah. maybe. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing that, as well. August of 09. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Interesting. Do you know how the, um, the rating was, uh, like calculated? Cause I'm seeing, uh, on the hall of fame site, I'm seeing like Filnius with a losing record, but then he still has, seems like a pretty good rating compared to Tupamaro who has like crazy amount of tournament wins and things like that. So I'm just kind of curious, like maybe what the range was, or if you know how they calculated it. I think if you beat, I, I'm not too sure, but I, I know if you played with a lot of high rated players, your rating will go up. So it also depends. And, and it, is, it was only involved on any uh, tournament you did where you paid money is where they based that. No, not on a casual game. But yeah, one time I, I was like the highest player and then I played like three matches and I, and I ended up losing. Well, one time I picked the wrong fleet. And I ended up going way down, like really fast. I, I eventually I caught back up, but I think it had to do with the competition you played. Yeah, yeah, oh, I, I could the, be wrong. When you first started out, you had a a white skull next to your name, and when you got to I think a thousand points, if I'm not mistaken, I I really don't remember now. But then you got a bronze skull, yeah. and that was kind of your coming out. Like, okay, I'm I can play this game, and then. That's what most people were. Uh, and then at a certain point, I think it was 1,800 points, I think, you got a gold skull. So I got a gold skull. Yeah. Uh, I think, Ron, you got one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we had we about five of us, five or yeah. four of us that got to gold skull. Yeah, because yeah. what would happen is, and then it became a that became a bit of a problem because because it wasn't it wasn't like even. So if you were if you had very little experience and you won, then you would get tons and tons of points for that win. But if you yes, that's how it were already a high point total on the, on the rankings and who knows how they ranked it, but it, but it, but if you had a 1680 rank and, and you play somebody who has, who just started out and you lost to them, which happened a lot because a lot of these really good players would start a new account just to knock people's points down. They were just jerks <laughs> like that sometimes. Oh, Especially, yes. I, I know Ron said that those guys from the uh, um, rogues were, were good guys. They, they would do that all the time. They would make alternate accounts just to knock people. That way, if you lost to them, it would knock your points way, way down. So it was, it was kind the of the road quadrant guys. Yeah. Yeah. The they did that quadrant? all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but so it was, it, it, and if you beat somebody, if you were high points and you beat somebody else who was high points, you know, it'd help you a bit. But uh, once you, as you got higher points, it became harder and harder to go up in points. So I got to 18, yeah. 50. I, we, everybody thought that when you got to 1900, you might get like a, there was a rumor that you would get a diamond skull or something like that, but I never <laughs> yeah. got there. I, uh, no one. The problem is once you got the gold skull, then it was kind of like you didn't want to play anymore because you don't want to lose the gold skull. But I, after a while, <laughs> I was like, screw it. And so I, I played one of those tournaments where, yeah. where, uh, what was it? Where were the tournaments? It was a tournament where you could, you join and you have to, they would give you three packs, I think. And then you just had to, all you could do is use oh, the whatever yeah. card. What was it called? 
So whenever they started a new card set, let's say, so it was Revolution, I think, was the last one that came out. I'm not too sure. But uh, so they would have that Friday all the way till Monday, they would have like um, three pack tournament. So you put in and they would give you three packs and it was blind. So you would you would use a fleet with those three packs and go into the tournament with it. And uh, one was really sweet. I think it was a Chrism Coast where I ended up getting the the Raven, which has yeah. three S's. Nice. And oh my God, I ended up winning that. That was one of the greatest times you know, I ever had because it was like 60 players or 50 players. And I just lucked out to get a um, Helmsman and the uh, the Raven on that on that pack, three packs. And I was able just to get any gold and fight and do whatever. But I, uh, I so had, that's how it was. Those were great tournaments. Yeah, I had terrible luck in those tournaments. I couldn't I, I seemed to get the worst ships. There was a guy named Jigbim who uh, <laughs> He had like the best luck when it came to those packs. He was one of the rogues, and I have a I have a feeling that he was one of the better rogues. It was like I an island. I myself. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Um, but um, but he he had a uh, he had just the best luck in those tournaments. Like he would get whatever the packs were, he would get the best ships, and he would win those all the time. I I would get like the worst ships. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of like sealed pack games, mostly because of that luck yeah. factor. Whereas like normally it's more like how good yeah. of a fleet builder you are and how good of a player. But then sometimes if you get like that perfect piece, you can just wipe the floor because it's just oh, overpowered. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. not my favorite. Yeah. It's fun once in a while, but yeah, it would give you a high, you know, just to get these three packs and see what it is, right? And then once you open it up and then you see the ship and you're like, whoa, uh, you know, sometimes you'll say, my gosh, I got two S ships moving on S and one L and they all have um, five, you know, five yeah. rank cannons. five, um, And then you're like, what the heck, man? But then well, that lucky a, time when you would get that mighty ship. <laughs> if you got a helmet. It was great. Yeah, you had a chance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Going back to the Gold Skull stuff, I see from the Hall of Fame site, it says Booty Juice took uh, Red Dragon's first Gold Skull. I don't know if that was that same tournament, but... <laughs> yeah, no, it might have been. I, I think it was, it was, I think it was a, uh, uh, he was very happy about that too, by the way. He was quite happy to take my Gold Skull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Nice. Um, all right, getting back to Jeremiah's last question. Uh, do you think the digital version of the game could be relaunched? And what about a Steam implementation? I don't know much about Steam. Uh, I'm not sure like how that would work. I, I mean, I, it certainly could. It was, it's, it was a very simple, simple game, you know, the way it was set up that, I mean, it's not the end. I think uh, I noticed that somebody asked a question about the, the animation or or the whatever on it um and uh there's it wasn't you know there was nothing complex about any of the animations it really literally each ship looked like if you've seen the videos of them each ship looked like a little cartoon representation of the constructible ships that you open in your packs so and the, and you know the animations there was nothing all that of course back at that time computers weren't like they are today but it didn't it didn't 
you know, require too much. I think today they could easily replicate that game very easily. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a handful of folks in the community right now working on um, making like digital representations of the ships and have them look 3d and things like that, just based on scans of unpunched ships from the physical cards. So, yep. And there's uh, uh, a, yeah. there's like a tabletop simulator version um, that's kind of similar to the Vassal module. There's a couple different ways people play virtually nowadays. The Vassal module, which is like a 2D top-down look, um, and I think it's really great and easy to play on. And then still kind of in development right now is a tabletop simulator version, which is essentially like a game sold through Steam. And then you mm. can have a, a module or whatever it's called um, for Pirate CSG that people have made. So yeah, yeah, that would be cool. I remember I watched the, you know, getting ready for this, I watched the video the of the, you know, because they still on YouTube have the video of the of the TV commercial for the game, which still strikes me as so funny that they had a TV commercial for this game. But um, but and I remember and it had some of the voices and everything and it like really took me back. Yeah, nice. All right, next one comes from Zone, uh, username Davy Jones at Pirates with Ben. He says, how, does the, how did the sea monsters look and feel to play as? Did they have realistic animations? And I don't know if they looked as good as the ships, but from the video, they looked pretty good. It looked good. They looked the same, kind, just like the ship, similar to the ship uh, from the board game to the uh, animation on the, on the game. The monsters were the same way. Uh, just one thing, you rarely saw monsters unless you were playing a regular casual game with a big fan and, or your friend. But uh, you rarely saw any monsters uh, on, 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 any main, on any real games, um, tournament games especially. But if you were playing with much higher level players, none of them played with the sea monsters. Yeah. Which no, is bad because I love all yeah. that part of the game too. It's the, the sea monsters, the, the dragon... The, the crab, I think they were called Titans. Yep. Uh, those were kind of, they were cool. I, I liked the, all that added flavor to the game because the game had so much uh, mm -hmm. stuff from the events to the treasures, uh, to the terrain itself. You were able to do so much on that game. Yeah, the, the sea monsters, I mean, they, they weren't, I think they might've moved a little bit, but not, not really. Um, and the, the dragon, I think his head might have bobbed a little, a little bit, but it was like nothing, yeah. you know, it wasn't impressive. I'll tell you, it was just, and, and it didn't need to be, it was, it yeah. was more about the, the yeah. tactics and everything. I, and the problem was you really had to turn, I did anyway, because when I first started the game, part of the problem I had was that my laptop didn't, it was so old, it didn't play it very well. And so when I upgraded my laptop, suddenly I was, I was winning tournaments and, and stuff because uh if if you were kind of behind if you if you kept the problem also was if you had an older computer your computer would crash a lot and and the, the game was not very stable so you would start a tournament and all of a sudden immediately crash and when you're talking about having a timer then that means that the other if the other person went first they could go do their turn but it took you a couple minutes to get back into the game when you crashed sometimes as long as five minutes and that's all your time on the on the chess timer just fading away so it was kind of a pain but but in terms of that and so if they did have animations i don't think i could have played it because it, it would have it would have been too much but um and so i would tune turn down all of the uh 
visual effects wow. and, and all, I would turn them all the way down because it really didn't matter. Yeah, that makes sense, actually, because then if you turned them down, it might even give you an advantage if there's less latency and lag on your turn when your timer is going, then you could actually do more stuff in shorter time. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, yeah, totally. So it's advantageous to not see any advantage, like animations. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, another question, this one from Commander Cody. Uh, my question would be, were there creative changes or rule changes made in order to facilitate it being a video game? Yeah, I think that the ones that um, we, the the turn uh well turn base for one thing because you couldn't have you know a tournament go on all day long if if fifty people or a hundred people are in a tournament you can't you know that's just that goes on way too long so they did have to have a timer yeah um, but I don't know what you know in terms of like some of the changes I felt were just like oversights i don't know do you know of any ron that were changes they made specifically because it was a video game oh no no they they kind of kept to that same the same rule from the beginning of course they they modified a bit because the islands as you said uh they tried to fix bonaparte um problem about four or five times uh to no avail (laughs) um yeah the canceller crew was the same thing they actually one time they fixed it for a day and then it went right back I don't know why. Uh, well, it went right think, back to, to what it was. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think it the the canceler crew, the problem was because it was such a turn-based game that they had trouble figuring out a way. So, it, you know, if you brought your ship over next to a canceler crew or they come over or, or yeah, on your turn, if you took your ship over next to a, a ship that had a canceler crew or, a, or a, you know, like the sub that had a canceler ability, uh, it, they had a tough time figuring out how to pause that person's turn and switch and it, give to, it to the other person. You're give right. It to the other person to use that card and have the timer, the chess timer reflect that. I think it was just too much for the engine that they were using to build the game. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Well, yeah. You'd yeah. almost have to have both players active at once, which kind of makes the timer difficult because ideally right. you can just flip the crew whenever you want um but if you have to turn a turn over just for them to do that it kind of makes it it kind of slows the game down too so yeah all right awesome what are your favorite memories of playing pirate csg Um, specific game uh, specific tournament Tournament, like I said, that one tournament where it was the blind pack, the three blind pack, and um, I, I think that was at its peak when Chrism Coast came out. Oh, that was a good tournament, only because I had a really good ship, and I, I ended up playing around seven players. So that fun part of winning all seven games, and then being the one there at the end was, was cool. And most of the tournaments, uh, I would say, most of the tournaments where you had really high players, and just the fact that you would win four games with all these top players on it. And some of them had different fleets. So you had to have a balanced fleet to go against a gold runner. Uh, a gold runner fleet would have two gold runner ships that would just, and they could beat you in one turn. You know, they, they would uh, put all the high uh, treasures in, in their island. And then um, I, I think it was the uh, Santa Ana. I think it was a Santa Ana. 
which was big enough that it would take it just two turns to get to an island and then come right back, if, especially if you had Ulrico Castro. So if he would roll a two, if you just happen to roll a two, you go to that island and you're putting all this extra pluses on it and then bring it back and you get the added plus two. Uh, you know, so you had to always look at the, those kind of fleets too. And if, if you saw those kind of fleets, uh, of course, on your side of it, you had to put really bad treasure and then hope he would land that bad treasure like uh, Plague, you know, him getting Plague. And now that just makes his whole Gold Runner fleet goes down. But just the fact that playing these tournaments, you, you had to really come with a balanced fleet and, and be prepared uh, with your uh, plus five crew to add things that would modify your fleet a bit and then change as it goes on. So th those are my things where I would say tournaments is in general playing tournaments was great for the online game nice. yeah i i mean i would say that for me it was the friendships like ron and and uh players like captain strack and metal carnage and those guys were just it was just fun hanging out with all those people in the casual room we'd just be sitting around chatting and laughing i mean i i, I just remember laughing constantly about stuff people were doing or or Strack would have some issue with somebody and it would turn into a big, like it was just funny. Um, or, but probably my favorite memory was a year into the game, the at uh, during uh, around, I think it was around New Year's, they had a holiday, a holiday tournament marathon where, yeah. where um, SOE set it up for the couple days around new year's where they would just have one tournament after the next and it went on i mean it was it was every tournament was full and i learned a ton that was when i really in terms of the game i think i i became a man <laughs> during that during that tournament <laughs> because i learned so much i just did i was like you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna sit here I, I didn't really want to do anything for New Year's anyway, so I'm just going to sit here and play and play and play. And I played, I don't know how many tournaments during those couple of days, I, maybe 100, I don't know. And um, maybe not that many, but it was a lot, whatever it was. And and you and I, you would get prizes, tournament, uh, you'd get cards as, or uh, packs as prizes. And at that time, certain packs were worth more than the base. The base price for each pack, I think, was $5, if I'm not mistaken. But some yeah. packs, like Jade Rebellion, or uh, uh, South China Seas, were worth more because they were rarer. You didn't get them as often in random packs. And and uh, there were cards in them, like like the Jade Rebellion uh Helpman. Uh, the helmsmen were the helmsman. really hard hard to get, and uh, and so those you could sell those for like eight dollar. So I I I think I bought I bought into one tournament, and I don't think I spent a dollar <laughs> the next the the rest of that marathon because I just kept making. I wound up with more uh, money than I had when I went into it, and I won a couple of them, a few of them. But there were some great players in those. I mean, metal was metal carnage. Jester one eight seven. There were some really, really great, great players at that time. Everybody remember the Paris brothers. Who? The Paris brothers. 
the Perez brothers, uh, Tupamaro, I think his oh, name yeah. was. Yeah, and, they were from Germany. Tupamaro, yeah. Tupamaro, yeah. And uh, Bet Holder was a, I suppose, I, I think it was a woman. Um, but they, they, they were all great too. That, but yeah, Tupamaro was from Germany. <laughs> but yeah, we, we had so much fun. That was probably my, my best memory was doing that because it was just one tournament after the next. And there were, you know, it was so much fun. Yeah, that is wild how many games you guys must have played. Because I, I feel like the people who played the online game, as many flaws as it may have had and how it was different than tabletop, the online players are some of the most experienced, like, Pirates of the players of all time. Because it sounds like yeah. you were involved in, like, hundreds of games just in the span yeah. of a couple oh, of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, maybe yeah. A, the, probably a thousand this, plus. Yeah, in the span of those whatever two years or so that we played, oh, yeah, easily. I mean, I... I the the streak that I won on, I think it was like twenty some games where I uh, tournaments that I won. Yep. Um, that alone would have been, you know, because there's five games in each, or three to five games in each tournament, depending on how big it was. So that's a lot of games. Yeah, yeah, it could easily be yeah. hundred games in a tournament, stuff like that, with that many players. Wow. Yeah. What was your favorite fleet yeah, that you ever be- used? Say that again. My favorite faction is always oh. the Spaniards. Uh, I just like the Spaniards. Uh, they look so greedy and, you know, it's all gold running. Nice. But uh, the, uh, in the online game, I, I had uh, my favorite fleet. I had the temp, uh, the, I think it was a temple. Yeah, HMS, that was HMS Grand Temple. Yep. Nice. Yeah, the, yeah, the HMS uh, Grand Temple where, I, I, where it allowed pirates. So I ended up putting just... Uh, Blackheart, Gurney Gallo, a Helmsman, and an Oarsman, and that was it. You know, that's if I had a role with Gurney Gallo, that was it. I would just go, and the HMS Temple was running at three S's, so it would just go all over the place. And it, and it was the um, X Fact, and it was the killer. It was the Zeus killer. That that um, once um, Red Dragon started using the Zeus a lot, that I could not use the Zeus because he was using it. So then I just stuck with the HMS Temple. And uh, to me, that was the uh, that was the Zeus killer for me, which was great. You know, <laughs> yeah. My my favorite. I I I mean, I went through different periods, um, and I I mean, I I think like in the game, I was known having the dragon, or I was known for using the Zeus. But probably my favorite one was was I used was really the Harbinger. I just loved that ship. I loved the look of it. I loved the kind of lore that went with it. And and then I I uh I would put that one treasure stealer crew on it. Yeah. And then use Whirlpool over to the the opposing players island, go steal a bunch of gold from there, and then either ram somebody and you or you know destroy somebody's ship one their ship and i would use the harbinger uh skill to get back or i would just use the whirlpool to come back and and i won a lot of tournaments with that too so uh that would but in terms of my favorite in just creative uh set that i used it would probably be i liked the higher uh number casual games like 120 because it would allow me to use things like quirky things like the dragon and and different things like that so i don't know it's it's hard to say it just kind of depends but 
Yeah, nice. Yeah, I love playing the higher build total games because they allow you to use like gimmicks and all sorts yeah. of crazy stuff that isn't really competitive at the 40 yeah. point level. So, you know, one one other ship that I really loved the look of it was it was really unusable in tournaments, but I loved Santa's sleigh and it, it looked really cool in the game because it had the lights on it and everything. And and it was a, it was just, I wish it had had the ability uh, that it had in the on the card where what is it on new year or christmas eve it's supposed to be able to have unlimited movement or something i wish they had like made that work but it it didn't but yeah yeah it's a crazy crazy piece yeah they, yeah. they probably didn't want it to overrun the tournaments because it was too powerful yeah um, well they could even... have made it tournament illegal but yeah it would have been cool if just on new year on christmas eve <laughs> if that ship had just done the things it was supposed to do but yeah i don't think was there a uh what was there, Ron, a or a, a crew for that? Did they release the crew for Santa Slay? I don't remember. I don't. I think uh, so, like, I never. That's one of my, the rare cards I don't even have. Oh. Um, I think I seen it on eBay a couple of times, but I think wasn't it Santa Claus? Wasn't it yeah. Nick yeah. or something? Was it cool? Yeah, it was, yeah. Captain, he, Captain Whitebeard is the name they gave him. Yep. Yeah, and I don't. That's it. I don't know if they released that. If they ever release that, I think I don't remember now. I think, but I think Santa Slay is the only uh, Christmas card like that that they released. Okay, nice. Yeah, one nice. of the uh, one of the crews that I think that I think it was um, so that crew was like that. Um, I think the other rare crew that was cool was the Pirates of the Caribbean set. I think it was the uh, um, which one was it where he uses well, all the abilities. Online. Yeah, no, that was online though. Yeah, uh, you're right. But yeah, I'm just saying, um, you know, some of these uh, outrageous crew abilities that that was yeah. on the game. I forgot what was that ability, but it, it was uh, outrageous ability. Captain it. Jack Sparrow, <clears throat> probably. <laughs> yes, Captain Jack Sparrow. I think the dead one. I think I have it somewhere. Yeah, but there's a couple of versions of him that he can borrows? affect yeah. games pretty dramatically. So I think that would be one of the most challenging parts for the modern community to play the online game is the sets that were never released in the online version because the most meta like competitive fleets in 40 point standard for tabletop uses at least one sometimes multiple pieces from the caribbean set like captain jack sparrow has an ability where you trade uh treasure on an island for a crew on a friendly ship so then you can mm. fling gold home and then just redock it with a ship that's already at your home island to get gold like instantly on the first turn uh, oh, without yeah. selling it back. So, so adjusting to like the different meta online would be pretty fascinating, I think. So, yeah. Who yeah, I don't think I don't yeah, think Sony had the rights to the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and so even if they had continued, I don't think they would have been able to release that set on on the online game because Disney had their own pirate game that they released. So I think that was the word that we got from Sony is that they would not, even if, even if they were going to continue, they would not have released that set because Sony, there was a rights issue with the movie. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause Disney probably only licensed it to WizKids for that one set. And then after that, anything else yeah. was kind of off the table, kind of a complicated licensing thing. Yeah. Makes sense. Who do you guys think was the best, player of all time for pirate csg online well i would say 
it depends on I all around. I don't know, but it, because it depends on which which format you're talking about. If mm -hmm. you're talking about uh, the standard game, forty or sixty, Ron. I, I I think Ron would have to be the best in forty or sixty standard for my money, and definitely the best in uh, Spanish main only forty point. Um, but and th I mean those were. I mean, Ron was good at all phases, but those were the two main that he usually played the most. So I, I would say he would have to be for those. And then for Deathmatch, there was a guy, Tupamaro would probably be the best in that. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I don't think I know, I don't know if I was the best at any. I, I was like maybe second best at a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that to, puts, to... yeah. Yeah, to me overall, the best player overall was Red Dragon when it came for everything. Like every we had specialists on games, but uh, Red Dragon and Beef Holder, Bed Holder, uh, the oh, German yeah. player. Uh, yeah, he, those two guys with a guy named Jig Bin, which I think it was some. I don't, maybe it was Beholder. I don't know. It was. I thought it was another player that we played because when I played his fleet, he kind of looked. I know Red Dragon wasn't that kind because it wasn't his fleet, but he kind of resembled like the way I played and the way Bed Holder played. So it was just weird. But to me, yeah, Bed Holder, Tupamuro, Red Dragon, uh, Metal Carnage was also a killer in a standard, especially 60 point standard game yeah. uh, where he used the Harbinger. Uh, and he had, I think overall, he had the highest score, I think. Uh, I cut a couple of times I passed him, but I ended up playing. I played so much that I would go down in um, in points. But yeah, overall, yeah. Uh, Dragon and Bev Holder, I thought were the best players. Nice. How did the? I'm just coming up with this one, looking at the Hall of Fame site. How did the guilds work? I'm seeing under Mahi Swani's name, um, the growth of the rogues. So how did the guilds work in terms of like alliances or like? tournaments like if two from the same guild face each other would one of them kind of forfeit if they thought the other player had a better chance of winning the tournament or was it more for like collaborating privately for fleets it it was more about supporting each other so there were there weren't a lot they didn't uh develop the guild play very much at that point i think it might have been if the game had survived maybe they could have developed guild play a little bit more and and ways to incorporate guilds but it really was just a, a support, you know, and, and so if I was, I ended the, I started the game with Ikthultu in a guild called the Pirate Council. And that, that's, it was just support. They gave me extras and they, you know, they, they would teach new players how to play. And then I moved to a couple different guilds. I started my own briefly, and then I wound up at the end just joining bronze. Um, but it was more just, I mean, it never really developed. But if you were in a tournament against a guild mate, now you were expected to to play them hard. And, uh, and you know, I maybe somebody might have said, might have forfeit, but I don't think so. I, I think, uh, generally speaking, people tried against their guild mates, yeah. Yeah, nice. For the map being um, really massive, um, I'm just curious, were there, like, did you place islands, like, per the tabletop rules where 
like player one plays the first island then player two and things like that and then the if so the distances would limit how big like the island space could take up i'm just trying to get an idea of like if you could play like a massive game with like 40 islands um or like multiplayer games where you could use the entire map um rather than just having it be kind of like almost like an out of bounds area where people just sailed if they were trying to time you out and stuff like that or if that was not an option yeah. at all well the only um tournament games was only one against one yeah. right and usually you just have three islands so it's just the rules i think it was three or four islands i think it's just three islands four. so there were time if you were playing a four okay so if you're playing a competitive competitive game you would end up having an eye, the island stretched up like an eye, all right? And it all depends on what fleet you had. Of course, if you had a, um, if you were playing a, if you knew the player you were playing, most times you play so much, so you knew the tendency of most of the uh, players. Yeah. So let's say I knew this guy was a gold runner. I would uh, put all the islands together close enough because I would want my uh, killer ship, um, sheep, uh, ship to take it out as fast as possible uh if you were playing another guy where he even though we both had killer fleets with uh, one gunship that he would make it as an eye because he knew i had a, a really good gold runner uh that was one of the advantage i always had i always had the best gold runner even though i had a gunship but i had the cheapest gunship uh my strategy was always to make the other opponent use his gunship first uh, to take out because my ship was faster, my gun runner, and I would force him to go and uh, try to attack that. And then my gun, my gunner would go out, and even though he was weaker, it, it's the one that would be shooting at at the strong ship. But it depends. Uh, so the islands were. It depends on who you play and everything. Again, as you played all these games, you knew the tendency and you knew where you had to put the island. And then at the end, it was the luck of what I think of who went second. Because the second player was able to put the uh, the player, the first player on the island, and then after that, the 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 first player would put the second player on the island, the last island. Yeah. So th sometimes the game came to that also is who you place where, and uh, where is it? If you were a really good uh, fighter ship, you would want that opponent close to you. You know, if you were a run a gold runner ship, you would put that opponent as far as way as you possibly are uh, to to you. That way, you could just get your gold and get back and win the game. Yep. Yeah, they, uh, but that to your to your question though, Ben, uh, the you could in the casual game though in the casual lobby, you could set up a game so that multiple people. I mean, I think the limit was six players and. And yeah, you could have tons of islands. And I, I don't know if you could, it might have, I think you could add as many, even if you only had two players, I think you could add as many islands as you wanted, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and and then lay them out. So you could use the larger part of the map if you were in the casual room, not tournament. Tournament was one-on-one -on -one and there was only four four uh, islands. But but in the in the casual game you could set up it you know however way you wanted and like i said before you could set up your own tournaments they just wouldn't be paid tournaments where you win a pack at the end of it uh but you could and and we did like there was um there was a tournament set up by somebody called 
King of the Seas or something like that. I can't remember now, but uh, and that was just a a tournament, uh, a really like couple week long campaign uh, created by a guy named Paladin SG, I think. And uh, and that was that was a lot of fun. There were a lot of different formats. You could one island. He had a map set up online, and I think. I don't remember how it went, but but part of the part of the tournament you would be doing one format, and then the next part of the tournament you'd be doing another format, and so on and so forth. And all of that was done in the casual room. But I played a lot of games in the casual room with multiple players, six players or whatever. We'd have teams. Sometimes it would be every every man for himself, and uh, sometimes it'd be deathmatch. Sometimes it would be standard. But it, it, it that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I love how customizable that is. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I finally played a couple co-op games with like teams last year. It was definitely pretty crazy dynamic. <laughs> because yeah, on the tabletop, totally. you gotta to strategize in private, you kinda have to like walk away from the table and then have like a private conversation, like so the other players can't hear what you're saying about how you're gonna collaborate and who's gonna take which island and things like that. So um quick question about the islands in tournament you said four islands was that four wild islands and then six total including the home islands or was it just four total with only two wild? i thought yeah i thought it was three where so you had three and your opponent had three and uh, of course one of them would be put in you would be put in on one of those islands and at the end it was four islands i could be wrong it could be four and then so one would be put on yeah, I don't. I think it was actually. It might have been six islands, because uh, each player had yeah. had two islands that they had three, to go three on. and three, three yeah. and three. Yeah, so sense. it was three and three. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so that's more like regular tabletop. Okay, awesome. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and um, and of course, if you're playing four players on a multi-game, everyone had their three islands. So now you're having right. you know four times three. Yeah. And that, right. that's how that was. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Have you either of you played Pirate CSG since the online version was taken down? It looks like in early 2011. Um, I have... just I played with my son. Yeah, I I did a little bit. Uh I I don't I didn't have very many cards, but I played uh a little bit um with some friends a couple times. I th- and I played with Icky a couple times. Uh, but not really, no. And I haven't played. I haven't played in a, a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping we can play in LA because eventually I'll be down there again at some point to visit. So, yeah, that'd be Hopefully. cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of players there. It's actually yeah. pretty, pretty good scene for the game, considering how old it is now. So, have yeah. either of you guys stayed in contact with any of the other players from the online game? Have you, Ron? No, unfortunately not. No, no. Um, just uh, Matt. Uh, we we follow each other on uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. and um, and that that's it. And um, uh, just me and Matt. And there's a lot of players I wish we could I could get in contact with. Uh, like the I think it was the Evils. Uh, they were from Ohio, I believe they were. <sighs> um, you know, but we made good friends. But again, once the game finished, that that was it. Unfortunate. Yeah, yeah I I um. There was a group that started playing. Actually, this is well before the game ended. There was a group that started playing uh, World of Warcraft, and like in about two thousand nine, probably. And 
so that was Metal Carnage, Captain Strack, Mongo Evil, and Lady Evil. And they and there was one other guy, yeah. but I don't remember. And and so I joined them after the game ended. I joined them on World of Warcraft and and joined their guild on World of Warcraft. Uh, but by the time I joined, I don't think I joined it right away after the game ended. So I probably didn't join until like 2010, 2011. I don't remember now exactly, but uh, somewhere in there. And they were, so we played for a while, but eventually they stopped playing that too. And uh, I kept playing uh, World of Warcraft for, I, uh, for some years, a few years at least. But uh the only one that kept playing that was I'd see Mongo once in a while and Lady Evil. And every now and then I'll still get on that game. Like I'll just get a month uh, subscription because uh, there was a there was one uh, there was a mount that I really wanted. It was the Headless Horseman's mount. And so I kept after I stopped playing competitively, I would still log in or, or get an account or I mean, you know, pay for the subscription for the month of October because they had a special Halloween thing where you could win that that mount. And I, I kept doing that every October until I finally won it. Uh, so I would see Lady Evil on there every now and then, but it's it's probably been a, maybe two years since I've talked to her. But that's it. Other than, than uh, Ron here, I, I, haven't, I haven't talked to anybody else from the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Mongo Evil actually commented on my site uh, back in 2020, talking about I how... saw that. They were friends with you guys, yeah, and they mentioned uh, Lady Evil on there, so that's cool to see. So, yeah, I'd love yeah, to talk to somebody. That. Yeah, I'd love to talk to somebody. Some of the folks that were players on here consistently, like Tupamaro, um, some of the usernames too that I remember from the from the podcast that you guys did, like DJ Westerdale. I'll try to see if we can find him. And I'm wondering about if Jig Bim. I wonder if that username comes from like Big Jim. <laughs> it's like a nickname in real life and then he switched the letters i'm kind of wondering yeah i don't know I just, probably it's just a funny username i don't know i always yeah. love hearing these these old usernames from back in the day it's kind of like almost like inherently nostalgic so oh yeah no we i i mean i'll i'll I, the last couple of years i haven't been able to listen to the 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 old podcast that ron and i did but you know there for a while every couple of years i'd listen to a couple episodes or whatever and i'd get very nostalgic because we they were like i said we had so much fun and then it was funny because guys were calling in from all over the world to that show uh that one that one guy from scotland and then toop and he was he was from uh from uh he was uh, uh, heavy accent that's the guy you're talking about yeah the guy from from scotland yeah yeah yeah, yes, I remember. And then there was a guy from Australia, uh, you know, and then you know people from all over the United States too. So yeah, there would, I you know a lot of uh, fond memories of that. So it it is kind of nostalgic to to hear so, or even read some of those names, especially on the you know I look at the 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 Hall of Fame site, and and some of those names, um, uh, Paladin SG. Let's see, Keelhauld, who was he was the leader of the Rogue Squadron. There's Captain Strack, you know, Jester one eight seven, Lone Wolf JDR. Those those guys were so good too. Lone Wolf was amazing at the game. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah I saw um Baldzilla Bill is actually on Twitter. 
he was one of the ones that called into the podcast. I remember. So yeah, I've had a little bit of discourse on Twitter over the years about the. Oh really? Game. Is his yeah. name Baldzilla Bill on there? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'll send oh. it to you separately. Yeah. Wow, that's. Uh, I know he was part of my guild. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. none of those guys in my guild. I I haven't talking talked to since back then. Yeah. Wow, Baldzilla Bill. Yes. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Bringing it, bringing it way back. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, all right. So thank you guys for coming on. We conclude each episode by asking uh, a question of the day. I'll let you guys think about yours. If you want to ask one, it's totally optional, of course. Um, so while you think about what you might want to ask the Pirates TSG current community, I'll keep it simple and just ask. I think I've asked this on a video before, but um, to the community, have you played the Pirates TSG online game? Uh, and did you ever interact with any of these awesome folks that were really good at it? So and I'll turn it over to you guys. Well, I would just ask if, you know, if anybody, um, if people would be interested in playing an online game like this and, and if they, you know, if anybody has any uh, experience putting a game like this together, because I, I sure would, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah, same here. Same here. Definitely. If someone would uh, start a game, some, a game similar to online um, pirates. I would definitely join in, and because uh, I again I had so many fond memories. So of course the friendship here with Matt, it's, it's been a long time now, mm-hmm. and um, like to meet the community because the community was cool and it's a great way of uh, meeting people and um, playing, uh, you know, a, a game that we all like. We all have come different backgrounds, but we uh, guys who like tabletop games like that usually have similar tastes, which is really good. Yeah, that's what I would say about that. Nice. Yeah, I love how it brings people together. I'll definitely send you guys links to the in the Discord where people have talked about recreating some of the scans and turning them into 3D ships because I think you'll find it pretty interesting. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. This was Pirate CSG podcast number 57 with Captain Ron, Captain Ron and Red Dragon. Thanks again, and we'll see you in the next episode.